Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome to Overnight America with Ryan Recker on KMOX. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. Michael'sFlooringOutlet.com. And welcome back. It's Overnight America. So I'm watching a few other things here. And this hour, since we were talking about it with Shane, I thought, oh, this will be a good opportunity to uh, bring back up what happened last week when it came to GameStop. And in the next segment, Adam Korzanewski was someone that worked in the Treasury Department and also the Commerce Department during the Trump administration. He'll explain the whole GameStop thing. And that could be part of a bigger movement. And what exactly is that bigger movement. We'll let him talk about that. Now, I didn't get a chance to play this at the end of last hour, but I thought I would. So at the start of the hour, we played Kevin Klein's whole nother story about February, the great, great commentary about February. It doesn't get any better than that. He did a follow-up. And since today is February 1st, it only seems fitting that we'd be able to start the month off with Kevin Colleen talking about the month that we all love to hate. Well, here we go again. The month of gloom and dwindling motivation. The month of rash decisions regretted by spring. The month of itchy shins and Ash Wednesday has arrived. As we face another February, a month likely to include more sleet as you drive to work and more pushing cars out of the snow. And more snow shoveling don't have a heart attack and more ice scraping it's important to remember the way we feel in february won't last forever our endorphins at low ebb since they started going down in november will soon be replenished once march 1st rolls around we'll be able to have that old feeling again the sunshine the warmer weather a few days good days on and off But for now, just remember, don't make any major life decisions in February because the person I am this month is not really me. He should not be responsible for casting future events beyond February. Get plenty of sleep, take the dog for a walk, repair your lost hobbies, model railroading, bird watching, stamp collecting, ballroom dancing, shooting rubber bands and empty aluminum cans. This will all help. As a wise man once said, If you live through February, you'll live another year. With a whole other story, I'm Kevin Killeen. 
And that wise man was Kevin Kling's dad who said, if you live through February, you'll live to another year. That was his dad. Isn't that great? Kevin Colleen's follow-up to February, and I'm glad that we had a chance to play that tonight. Yeah, don't hurt yourself. I keep thinking about Charlie up in Minnesota. Every time he calls in, he's going out there, shoveling, shoveling. I don't want him getting hurt out there. I don't want him overexerting himself. The last thing I want is one day Charlie doesn't call in anymore, and I think, oh, boy, what happened to him? He may be listening from Minnesota right now. And we have a couple of listeners we haven't heard from in a while. I hope that are doing all right. Um, so maybe we'll have to catch up with them later this week and see if we can get them off the air, see if things are okay. Yeah. There's our friends down in Texas. Uh, we've got a couple of them that we haven't heard from in a long time. And also our friend here in St. Louis, uh, Mike, who used to call in all the time. I haven't heard from him in a while. So I hope things are okay. I, you know, times are just a little bit different right now and people's schedules get turned upside down. I understand that. So when we come back, um, we're going to do this in just a little bit. His name is Adam Korzenewski, and he worked with the Trump administration in the Treasury and the Commerce Departments. Kind of a cool gig. And he wanted to explain what was going on with GameStop. He's going to come on after the break. If you want to uh, get in, we can take some of your calls later, but uh, probably not. 314-436-7900 or 800-925-1120. That's how you could uh, reach the show here. I'm also on Facebook, Ryan Recker Radio. If you hate Facebook. If you hate Twitter, but somehow you're still on it, I understand because I'm kind of like that too. I'm on it, but not having fun anymore. <laughs> it used to be fun and it's not fun anymore. So we can uh, dislike it together if you wanted to find me on Facebook, Ryan Wrecker Radio, right on there. This is Overnight America, KMOX. Now back to Overnight America on KMOX, sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts, michaelsflooringoutlet.com. Joining us now is someone that worked in the Trump administration at the Treasury Department and also in the Commerce Departments. With everything that goes on with GameStop, it, it's such a deep thing. What about the more cultural thing? Is this part of a bigger movement? Joining us is Adam Korzenewski. Thank you for coming on to KMOX. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so thank you for that. And I had a guest on yesterday from Bankrate who explained what was happening and why this what was going down but in this case i want to talk to you about something that may be a little bit larger the the movement at hand and what you're starting to see people do and it's great because people are really cheering them on the only ones that hate it are these hedge fund managers that are losing a bunch of money at the moment so uh, i want to kind of talk to you about the larger movement what you think may be going on today with individual small investors that are doing something for themselves Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you know, ever since uh, the election, we've uh, the regular people have uh, been very upset. And, you know, this is they're looking for ways in which they can, you know, win one over on the system. And, um, you know, with the last several decades of increasing financialization and, um, you know, the new apps and technology allowing people to trade stocks on their own, we're just seeing a natural consequence of that. And um, I think somebody was just enterprising enough that they looked at the short list um, and went after the uh, shortest list on the uh, on there and went after GameStop. Mm -hmm. So I don't understand how the short list works. Is there an actual uh, I mean, an actual list somewhere that shows investments of people trying to short stocks and you can get an idea of the ones that they think are going down? 
Absolutely. Um, I'm not sure. Don't remember the, off the top of my head uh, the name of it, but there's a, uh, the uh, exchanges uh, report uh, whether like the largest health positions. It's uh, as part of a um, oversight mechanism, and so mm-hmm. um, you know somewhere along the line, somebody just looked that up and they saw GameStop um, being one of the longest, or pardon me, the shortest positions on uh, Wall Street, yeah. at least domestically. So- and ultimately, what do you think the main goal of this organized movement to purchase the stock of GameStop was? Well, it's it's to uh, throw a wrench in the system. It's to show that the people won't be pushed around quite so much. You know, if you would. Uh, so as we transition away from the crisis of the 2020 election and move into 2021, what have we seen is we've seen both cries for leadership on behalf of the regular people but also uh, a sense of frustration um, at the system. Like they did not feel like they're being represented and they're certainly not being represented on wall street. Mm-hmm. When you say they're not being represented on wall street. So a lot of times you would look at that and say, well, they weren't really, they weren't really doing anything, right? They weren't investing. They weren't playing the game to begin with. Why do you think people are jumping in this game? Are they, are they doing it as part of a way to mess with um hedge funds and things, or, or do you actually think that maybe this, there could be some long-term thing here where this could get more people interested and all of a sudden you have a lot more smaller investors inside of the market and this changes the game forever? Well, I think this is kind of a response to um, the consolidation of investors into fewer and fewer what are called institutional investors. Um, in order to uh, create a successful hedge fund that's sufficiently large, you have to have a track record that lasts a long period of time and for banks to consider you a institutional investment uh, investment vehicle. So that's where these uh, funds get these multi-millions and sometimes multi-billion dollar investments. Um, so there's, there's been an increasing consolidation of that over the last several decades. And so uh, money has been more or less siphoned from the retail investor, which is the regular person who has like a stock account. And that, we're not talking pensions, we're not talking um, uh, 401ks, et cetera. Uh, but people able to trade on their own into these institutional funds. And, you know, people are, have a sense of frustration and that's why it was so effective is that it only takes relatively few amounts of people to really kind of mess, uh, uh, mess up trading volume for the day on any of these stocks. Um, you know, all the, there's extremely sensitive machines that are picking up uh, aberrations in trade. So whenever, you know, a few thousand people are putting long positions on a super shorted stock, all these machines are going to be are starting to freak out uh, these high frequency t- trading algorithms in New York City, and so they don't know what is going on, and so it creates an entire uh, string of chaos. It's a perfect storm, um, a black swan, if you will. Ah, do you think that uh, the the people that are buying it right now? For me, I look at it and say it's kind of a fun ride to pay attention to this, and they may not necessarily understand what's going on, but they understand that people are doing this and they're on that side. So. What is the long term for something like this? Do you see them changing the laws to prevent things like this from happening? Do you see um, them just living in fear because, you know, any other time something shorted, they can wonder if the Internet's going to rise up against that, too? I think what we're going to see is a crackdown on uh, regular retail investors. I think there's going to be increased accreditation requirements, um, increased uh, identification requirements. So they could possibly per, uh, prosecute or persecute um, actors, uh, even if they're not bad actors, 
Um, you know, and I saw this when I was at uh, Stolen Treasury Department. We had the transition team from the Biden administration there. And the level of uh, seething hostility that they had um, was palpable. And they see these kinds of activities by regular people, and they they're, they feel personally threatened by it. Like, even though they will never see it, any single one of these people, it doesn't really affect their retirement, nothing like that. But they, they are personally offended by it these acts of uh, small, relatively small resistances to, um, you know, their globalist uh, neoliberal uh, designs. Wow. You know, I um, was able to catch Rush Limbaugh's program a little bit today, and he's loving it. I was listening to him break it down. Um, You see, almost in a bipartisan way, a lot of the different senators, congressmen and women, they're all for the individual investor to be able to make these sort of uh, calls and, and do this sort of thing. You see just reg- regular everyday people enjoying it. And then the CEO of Robinhood or whoever goes on, and then there's these hedge fund CEOs or whatever that go on TV and they make it sound like these people that are doing this are the biggest criminals in the world. And it's amazing. Um, like go back maybe 10 years ago and there was those whole Wall Street, um, you know, the one percent protest and things like that. And you looked at it and you're like, OK, whatever. It doesn't have that sort of feel to it right now. It feels like the people that are doing this have some skin in the game. They actually want to do something. They're actually doing something productive for themselves because they are investing. Um, this, this, I think this sort of thing should be encouraged. I'm actually enjoying watching something like this. Absolutely. You know, the part of the danger is that you don't want to be giving investment advice um, just because of the regulations around it. But, you know, at the same time, these people are playing skin that game. They are literally standing out there on a digital barricade and saying, like, no, we don't we we're not going to tolerate this behavior by Wall Street and um, the the federal government at this point. Um, And so, you know, they are putting real skin in the game. It's you're very right on that element. And uh, it's it's going to be it's going to be shocking. I think they're going to they're still not sure what to do. But you got to think about just going back to the CEO of Robinhood. This guy is a, a person that uh, exists merely um, as a uh, publicity tool. It's still a company that's invested by venture capital funds like Sequoia mm-hmm. Capital, um, and they're hoping to get an IPO, which is when the company goes uh, public on you know, a, tr- a stock trade. So he's mm-hmm. taking orders to say these things. That's why you see like they've had such a dysfunctional response to all this. And the, the reality is that he's, he's not even in control of his own company. You know, there's people behind him who are uh, telling him what to say, what to do, and all this. And they're the people who are actually threatened. They're the people whose personal money is in these hedge funds that, um, that are reacting or overreacting somewhat to the circumstances. Yeah. So, um, the kind of interesting thing with all of this is the question of future uh, regulation on the markets. Do you feel like there's going to be anything that is done in the future that may prevent something like this from happening? Absolutely. I think they're going to require the the easiest way thing that I think they can do is to uh, make you have to verify your address when you're creating these uh, accounts so that they can easily more easily find you. Um, so it's much more difficult to um, do these activistic uh, investments. And it, it's going to be it's a scary time in America. Like a lot of these uh, Patriot Act and anti-money laundering tools that the United States government has developed are going to be used towards the regular person. And it, I don't want to sound like I'm being an alarmist, but this is you know the same trajectory that we saw during the Obama years 
that got stopped because they, they didn't realize how much time it takes to actually uh, finalize these regulations and rules that the Biden administration is kicking into overdrive to make sure that they can do it. Um, and so they're going to they're going to find very creative ways to uh, crack down on regular people using uh, these sophisticated anti-money laundering tools that they traditionally use for the cartels and the mob, um, oh, such wow. as being able, having to report your address of uh, like your physical address at the time of trading. Um, so, you know, I you know, that's the thing is I, I definitely applaud the people who are uh, looking who are looking to engage in this. Um, I'm I'm personally genuinely concerned um for their well-being and you know i i think that you know as long as you're not going to be connected with any sort of organized effort you'll be okay but at the same time it's like there's tons of people who put their actual name onto these things so what happens like it, it, when you say it right now you, you uh, when you do a trade are you saying that that information could be publicly accessible in the future well the so the Technically, the federal government receives all that uh, through um, through the clearinghouses, through the exchanges, uh, through the brokerage firms, and through um, you know eventually it gets reported all the way up to the FEC. Treasury can access it. There's a variety of places that it goes to. But for right now, for retail investors, for the most part, it's kind of like it just kind of exists out there, and it's not something that they, uh, the federal government really monitors because that's not really the people that they're worried about. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, for them, it's just a matter of you know, hiring a couple thousand extra people um, and putting in a very sophisticated artificial intelligence to yeah. do it. And uh, I'm, I'm genuinely trying to not be alarmist here. It's just that, you know, I, I think we're, especially given the fact that uh, a lot of the Biden administration leadership that we know of uh, so far have very tight connections to um, Wall Street, mega corporations, and things like that, that they wouldn't necessarily be above using some of these uh, sophisticated tools that are tr- primarily designed for combating uh, organized crime against regular people who just happen to be communicating about trades on Discord or Reddit. Discord being a uh, voice chat uh, system yeah. originally designed for video gaming. Wow. So that's concerning, too. Um I think that the way that the government abuses other of their powers and the, the way they've abused them in the past should concern a lot of different people in the Absolutely. future of uh, investing. And it shouldn't be a game where you have to be the head of a hedge fund in order to get in and try to make something of yourself. It shouldn't be like that. Uh, it's, it is concerning. Yeah. Well, um, if people wanted to learn more about this or maybe find out, I don't know if you have a blog or social media or anything where people can look you up. Um, I only have a Twitter right now. It's the Adam K 12, uh, because my last name is long and full of, uh, full of, uh, hard syllables. But right now it's a lot of this is a change of by the minute. Um, you know, earlier today I had one plan to say one thing and now I'm have to kind of change things just based off of the changing of the news and, you know, tomorrow things shift so rapidly. I mean, we're almost 29 days into um, 2021, and literally, it's it, it's the craziness keeps uh, moving on and moving on. Um, I I remember I wa- I live in Washington D.C. and I ha- have to go through military checkpoints, so I don't know where the future lies. But I'll try to get more information out there for the regular consumer. Yeah, it's it's tough. 
uh, you go online and you see people trending certain things. I love to see the different Twitter accounts. Like, uh, is who's the guy at Barstool Sports? Is it David Portnoy? Or David Portnoy. Um, yeah, yep. he's been great. I love reading his stuff, and he is just, like, trying to cut through all of this. And I love to see people rooting for the underdog, rooting for the small guy that wants to be able to try to get a little bit for themselves, and they're actually doing it for themselves. They're not just asking for it. They're out there trying to do it. And it, I love to see the the criticism and people understanding the system and understanding more about how this works because ultimately speaking it shouldn't be something that they are left out of it's, it, it shouldn't be something that is behind a veil and they'll never be able to access so i like i like that this is going on right now this isn't the worst thing absolutely. that could happen in 2021 <laughs> absolutely well you know and that's the thing is um there's a lot of a lot of issues economically speaking going against the regular working class person and you know at least people are trying to take a stand you know, peacefully against it. And, um, you know, I, I do applaud the people. I, I do worry about them. But hopefully uh, enough lawyers will mobilize to uh, prevent any sort of uh, real backlash. But it seems like the Biden and people so far are pretty flat-footed about this. So we can hope that that continues. Yeah, and let's hope, too. Uh, I saw there's a class action suit now going up against Robin Hood. How scary is that, that someone that involves themselves in trading of stock would not allow you to do that? And then sometimes uh, there's instances of them selling it without your permission or whatever. That should be a huge no-no. So that there's all kinds of questionable things going on where they step in and try to prevent you from doing something that is legal. They shouldn't be doing those sort of things. There's all kinds of different storylines with this. So, again, one more time, I know your uh, last name is a little bit long and hard to pronounce adam korzanewski if you're uh, if you're on uh, twitter what's your twitter handle again it's at the adam k12 the adam k12 on twitter you worked in the trump administration yep. part of the treasury department and the commerce department hey thank you so much for coming on and talking about the greater movement here tonight on kmox thank you thank you very much for your time and Adam Korzanewski, uh, the Adam 12 on Twitter, joins us on the Bomberito Automotive Group guest line. The more I learn about this, it's been fun to read the reaction online. Honestly, it has been a lot of fun to to watch all of this go down. And I know it's not over yet, but I think when you start to push back on a regulation standpoint, you're going to find that the counterweight to all of this will push back even harder. So what do you think is going to happen in the future? How, how un- much uncertainty will there be for individual investors as they just wait for the next opportunity because they want to get in on whatever that GameStop is going to be or whatever that uh, cryptocurrency is going to be or whatever that fill-in-the-blank investment is going to be where someone finds themselves getting a check in the mail and they're like okay i'm going to spend this on whatever what's that what's going to happen then i mean this is uh this is really a crazy time so it's fun in fact i enjoy watching it this is overnight america kmox news radio 1120 kmox the voice of the cardinals welcome back it's overnight america for a couple more minutes here at least and then we take our nighttime rest and get ready for tomorrow's show but we still have a little bit of time left there's a few stories i wanted to get to uh and this is one story i didn't have time earlier and it's starting to come out of philadelphia just how terribly mismanaged this whole covid vaccine thing has turned out to be whyy is reporting this out of philadelphia and i tried to read through this and it's a really confusing story in a way 
but it's also simple in another way. So I would say young college aged somewhat students. He's a 22 year old graduate, went to Drexel University for psychology, has no background in healthcare, but said, you know what I could do? I could organize and I can get the vaccines out there. And I'm going to really hit hard these areas where there's a high uh, concentration of minorities because they don't want to get the vaccine, but we can get them to get the vaccine. No history of this at all. 22 years old. And he said, you know what? There's a million people here that need to get this vaccine, right? Two million people. Philadelphia is a large area. There's a lot of people living there. Uh, let me see. Uh, population of Philly is 1.579 million people. That's a lot. 1.5 million. And that's just the city. So he said, I'm going to set up these places here. I'm going to set it up. City of Philadelphia, City Council. We just need you to approve us for $2.7 million so we can do all of this. Get us the shot. We'll uh, we'll get it done. Well, keep in mind, he's 22, no healthcare background. Can't even organize, but can put a pretty strong PowerPoint together and got in front of the city council and the city council agreed. They said, oh, we can do this. Yeah, why not? You know, th this guy seems like he's got it together. Let, let him set it up. We'll give him the couple million and we'll be fine. So what the plot in the background from this guy is that, hey, we could then in return build the insurance companies $24 per dose just to administer it. 24 bucks a shot. If we can get 1.5 million people to get the vaccine, let's do some rough math real quick. Okay, 1 million 500,000 people times $24 each for the insurance. Ooh, $36 million. That's a big payday for short term. It's like, we can get 10,000 patients a day. We can do this. We can do that. So this is what ended up happening. They kicked it off on January 8th, and they didn't want to report their statistics. A big part of Philadelphia was we need to get people vaccinated in these areas where they're having issues. And then right before they launched, they flipped from a nonprofit to a for-profit company, didn't tell anyone else. The people that were organizing these things were, didn't know. They didn't know what was going on. They weren't being communicated to all that well. And as we find out, eventually, this, uh, this company and this group was not that great to work with. So the city of Philadelphia said, I, I don't think so. I think we're going to work with someone else. See you later. Well, here's where the problem also rises. Because this other group was getting people scheduled and all of this, people were showing up. And there's the story here that they're saying, you know, these 85, 95 year old ladies that are just standing there in the cold waiting to get their vaccination are being turned away. And they're sitting there and they're saying, but I was told to be here and I have it printed off. And here's my reservation. And I told I was told I'd be able to get a vaccine and they're getting turned around. It was pretty terrible. Quite the fiasco in Philadelphia and goes to show you. Uh, maybe it's not that smart to trust these sort of things into untested, unknown entities without background checks. <laughs> and think of it this way, too. Were the people even administering these shots? Were they up to the task or were they ready for it? Or are they just like, hey, um, we're going to post a Craigslist ad. <laughs> if you could if you could stick a needle in someone's arm all day, this would be just fantastic if you could. Pretty bad. So they uh, cut ties with them January 25th, citing the company's 
terrible testing work in company's new privacy policy, which would have allowed them to sell patient data. So even getting in, they had no idea, but they were going to use that data and sell it on top of it. Oh, so terrible. The health commissioner was asked to explain what happened. They said that they approached the vaccine plan and the city apparently met the health standards at the time. It says, I hope people can understand why on the surface this looked like a good thing. In retrospect, we should have been more careful with this organization and choosing them rightfully so. They ended up going with University of Pennsylvania medical system, which they probably should have done in the first place. It's kind of scary. Makes you think twice about getting the vaccine if it's just some dude in a white van. Yeah, if you get offered a COVID vaccine and it's a guy that opens up the back door of his van and he says, here, I'll let you pick the vaccine you want. Look, I got them all here. And he puts, he opens up his trench coat and there's a bunch of needles hanging out of them. I would skip that guy. You know, I don't think I, I don't think that guy's legit. I have reason to believe that he might not be the best option for you to get a vaccine from. Here's one other story, totally unrelated. <laughs> it's from Eat This, Not That. There was a popular book series with those where they went through fast food menus and they said, OK, if you're going to eat fast food, at least eat this and not that. Right. So try to make a little smarter decisions when you're eating out. And it was a pretty popular thing there for a long time. I think, in fact, my parents even bought me one that I never read because I didn't care. I was going to order what I wanted to order anyway. So they did a survey. And the results of the brand intimacy COVID study conducted in New York City by a marketing group wanted to understand, okay, what are those, what are those items that you're indulging in that you just love, love, love? So they surveyed 3,000 people. And there was one brand that stood above the rest the number one item that people are connected to is coca-cola they're the number one brand in the beverage category the questionnaire asks consumers of brands according to how they feel about those brands to rate the brands based on different positive attributes and to reflect on their feelings of how the brand may have changed them during the pandemic all right if they enjoyed it more it changed it that way Coca-Cola number one. I feel left out because I don't drink soda. It's very rare that I get to do it. And it's not because of the opportunity is not there. I guess I could, you know, I'm an adult. I can purchase these things. It just doesn't interest me. It's like soda for me when I was younger was what I drank. I drank a lot of Mountain Dew and I drank a lot of Slurpees and things like that. But today it's strange. I hated water when I was a kid. Now that's it's practically all I drink is water and coffee. Those two things all day, every day. Skip everything else. And if it's anything that's outside of that, a grapefruit juice is the best of all juices. I'll get some of that. So I was kind of surprised to look at that and say, how does coffee not number one? If you're drinking a lot more from home, you think coffee would be the thing that people would find the biggest connection to. But no, not the case. Number two on the list, Jack Daniels and Mountain Dew after that at number three. Wow. That surprises me, too. And that also scares me. Think about you're at home, you're not exercising, you're not walking, you're not getting around, you're not interacting. And next thing you know, you're looking around and it's a slew of a bunch of Mountain Dew bottles and cans hanging all over the place. And you look like a professional gamer wannabe. So there it is. Uh, be careful. Like I said, anytime you drink and consume these sort of things, your body doesn't like it, but you get the idea. Who cares? You know already. You know all the warnings. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, it still doesn't make me want to go get a Coke. This is Overnight America, KMOX. This is Overnight America, sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. 
michaelsflooringoutlet.com on KMOX. Welcome back. It's Overnight America. I always like that uh, opportunity to spend time with you. And if you want to find me on Facebook, Ryan Wrecker Radio, go ahead and uh, feel free to like that page. You can always send me messages on there. Ryan Wrecker Radio. And I know tonight's going to be wrapping up here in just a couple of minutes, but our good old friend Rich Rubino joins us on Monday night. I always look forward to our political conversations, putting some things into context. So let's... Uh, Let's rest up so we're ready to go there. Just a couple of other stories I wanted to get to. I had one other food story. I love looking at food stories. When in the 90s, there wasn't anything better than opening up your lunchbox at school and you look around and you're like, okay, what did you get? What did you get? And, you know, your buddy would get a Twinkie and you're like, ooh, that's a pretty good one. Oh, Twinkies. Look over there. Another guy got uh, fruit snacks. You're like, okay, you know, fruit snacks. It's uh, tested, tried, and uh, true. So there's something new that's coming out. It's vanilla frosting, Dunkaroos vanilla frosting. Now, I know that someone reported Schnooks used to sell graham crackers with this frosting. It's not the exact kind, but still. And they would. it was kind of like the homemade Dunkaroos, not quite the same. I introduced this to my son, graham crackers with vanilla frosting. And he went crazy for it. He thought it was the greatest combo ever. He couldn't believe that I was holding back on him. Couldn't believe that this existed in a world that he's never tried it. And Betty Crocker is now putting this out all of a sudden. Dunkaroo vanilla frosting. It's basically vanilla frosting with rainbow sprinkles inside. And it looks awesome. Betty Crocker is also putting out a Reese's Pieces cupcake kit. So you can make cupcakes and in the inside, Reese's Pieces, you put a little frosting on top. Don't exactly know how that cooks with it inside. And Betty Crocker also putting the giant cookie kit out on the market. I got to say, all of those sound awesome. And way to go. Way to go, Betty Crocker. This uh, gets me going much more than uh, Coca-Cola. You know, people put that number one brand for beverage. Man, I would take a Dunkaroo icing any day. <laughs> Not that I don't like Coke. And it's funny. It's so strange. I don't have brand loyalty to any of them. If, if someone said, uh, you uh, you want a Coke? I'd say, oh, Pepsi. Or you want a Pepsi? Oh, I want Coke. No, it's never like that. I just don't care. I, no preference to it. Makes me wonder. Um, yeah, people have a huge allegiance to one or the other. One other thing. I saw this with the Super Bowl coming up. I couldn't believe that the halftime show, which is going to be the weekend, a very talented singer, was uh, Gangbusters last year, apparently. Had the top song on Billboard charts. As it turns out, apparently, it's uh, they've kind of shifted in the way that they do this. And for the longest time, the NFL would pay the artists to perform at the Super Bowl. Now they request that the artists pay in order to be part of the Super Bowl. So it's reported by the weekend's manager that they paid $7 million to make the halftime show that he envisioned though he had to confirm that organizers are covering most of the uh, production cost. But he's saying in order to make it the way he wanted, yeah, okay, we'll get you there. Maybe you don't have to pay. But on top of that, we're going to have to pay $7 million in order to make it the way we want. That's a ton of money. Now, it's not all out of pocket for him. Like I said, they get uh, underwriters and different sponsors and all kinds of things to do it. But what are you putting together that would warrant $7 million for you to be on the stage for like 10 minutes, if that? 
And I don't really watch football. I don't watch the Super Bowl. I watched, I think, only the halftime show last year. And to be quite honest, I really don't remember who won the Super Bowl last year either. I, I'm just so out of it. And it doesn't even matter. I don't even care who won it. Um, it'll be fun to see if Tom Brady can do it this year uh, just for the sake of his age. And it's kind of cool to see him with a new team. But I'll watch the halftime show. Um, I'll probably still be working from home here. Just be sitting around. I'll go upstairs and turn it on. Won't care much uh, or about the commercials either. Won't bother me one bit. But I do want to see what $7 million for 10 minutes looks like. All right. So enjoy the rest of your night. We'll be back again tomorrow at 8 o'clock. And our friend Rich Rubino joins us. I Like I mentioned, it's he's like the best. He is so good, so smart, so savvy. Does it get any better than Rich Rubino when it comes to political history? I don't think so, honestly. So he comes on at eight o'clock and I, we got some other guests and things scheduled, but follow me on Twitter at Ryan Recker. If you hate Twitter and just uh, are on it somehow, still follow me. If you hate Facebook, but somehow are still on it, Ryan Recker radio. That's where you can find us on there. Enjoy the rest of your night and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.